Drive Time on RT Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. Protect your family's future with life cover from Zurich. Talk to a financial broker to find out more. Text 51551. Drive Time on RT Radio 1. Members of the Defence Forces are in the middle of military training exercises ahead of their deployment to the Israeli-Syrian border in the occupied Golan Heights in around a month's time, while up to 30 personnel will join the European Union military assistance mission in the support of Ukraine. The war in Ukraine has reignited the debate about the future of Ireland's Defence Forces and what needs to be put in place to modernise our armed forces. Well, Dr Patrick Bury is a senior lecturer in security at the University of Bath and a former captain in the Royal Irish Regiment in joins us now on the line and you're welcome Patrick to the programme again this evening. Um, you've written, Good evening Sarah. I know you've written an awful lot on this. Uh, is this do you think a critical time right now for the direction of the Irish Defence Forces? The decisions that are made now or indeed that aren't made now will have long-term consequences. Absolutely. I think really in, in to be as clear as possible here they're at an year and um, this is a year now since the Commission of the Defence Forces issued um, a series of, of recommendations of which there has been slow and um, I'd say incremental uh, improvement in only some areas. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it couldn't really be any worse. They have to. There has to be a change, a major change. It, it probably stems at the national level to to having a debate about what do we envision as a country uh, from if we want to maintain our neutral status. What does that look like in the 21st century, given that the threats have completely changed? Um, and uh, so, therefore, the defence forces, you know, under international law, must be able to credibly. Um, deter belligerence. Uh, we have a large territorial water, airspace as well, um, numerous different uh, threats from cyber, as we saw, what was it, last, a couple of years ago now, the HSE. Mm. Um, you know, terrorism in terms of our own problems with it and, and international terrorism, um, hybrid hybrid threats rising. Uh, and essentially, you know, the, the Defence Forces have not been funded or really cared for with any sort of political will in the last 20 years, and it's starting to cause major, major major problems. One of the biggest problems is the loss of experienced personnel and just the, the dw- uh, dwindling numbers in the Defence Forces. Um, I know that's not a new thing, but it, it, I don't think it has ever been, been worse. So, so how can that be fixed, do you think? It's the rate, Sarah. It's the rate that's that, that's alarming, yeah? So um, they're already 3,000 short. They should be in total about 8,000, uh, sorry, 11,000. They're only 8,000 at the moment. The Reserve Defence Force is only 800 strong from an establishment of 4,000, you know? On the current trajectory, it would cease to exist in three years. They are hemorrhaging NCOs, experienced NCOs who are underpaid have crap pensions, yeah, uh, and bad terms of service. Their pensions have been cut since 2013. Um, I, I really, it, I, I can't emphasize how serious this is and how bad it is. Yeah, it needs money, immediate action, money thrown at the problem to keep stop the hemorrhaging of officers and non-commissioned officers, and increase the pay for soldiers. You know, some you want to see what a recruit is on. It's on about 300 quid, quid uh, uh, a week, as far as I understand. And we have soldiers that are actually joining other armies instead of the Irish one, maybe to try and emphasise how bad the problem is. 
Well, that's it. And, you know, it, <clears throat> I, I when I, I tried to join the Irish Army 20 years ago when I came to, as a cadet, came sixth on the reserve, it was highly selective. The cadet class was about 40 people. Uh, and uh, I would have had to wait around. But I, then I also got an offer from the Royal Irish Regiment. So I chose that. Um, but it, it, it's changed now. You know, the cadet class is um, two and a half times the size. You can't actually, you know, do, do that, make something two and a half times the size and keep the quality level. It's just impossible. But the, there's a wider problem. It's not even just the defence forces, the manning, the kit that they need, um, their infrastructure in terms of the houses they're living in, uh, it, the, the new investment in terms of uh, radar, um, boats, planes, etc. It goes beyond that. Ireland is actually, because of our neutrality, we've hidden behind it. It won't happen to us. You know, This won't happen here. It won't happen to us. We don't have the best practice security architecture, right? Not only for the defence forces in terms of oversight, management, etc., the the committees in the Oireachtas, etc., but we don't even have the proper um, joined-up cross-governmental uh, architecture, the security architecture to deal with other threats, not just the defence forces. Um, and that's another thing that really, really, you know, other neutral countries, right, who are uh, in Sweden, Austria, Switzerland, they are much better prepared than Ireland is. Uh, and we've got a growing economy. Uh, we have the money to actually get this up to a credible level. It doesn't mean we have to be a military power or anything, mm. but up to a credible level where we know what we're doing and we can track threats. Uh, how much money do you think is needed then? Uh, because I know the Commission issued a report uh, last year. The government accepted it. It had a number of recommendations. You've covered some of the issues that it, that it covered. Um, and it also gave a, diff- a few different options for the government in terms of how much they needed to invest. It's all big money though, isn't it? I don't, well, it depends what you think is big money on. In the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's that big, to be honest with you, Sarah. The um, the, the government had a five billion bounty tax surplus unexpected last year. They've they've increased military spending from one billion to one and a half billion. If you work that out, actually, at what the, at it is, and they're only doing that at slowly up to 2028. And if you work out what that counts as, it's about 0.7 of real Irish GDP. Now, that is that is basically for, for the size of the country we have, the size of our population, the way that risks in the world are changing, not just man-made risks, you know, think what climate change is going to do in the next 30 years. Um, so if, if uh, a point that needs to be done, I would bring that up to about the, I think it needs to come towards the two the two billion mark, and that needs to be immediate, probably front loaded, and then let that run through uh, out to twenty twenty eight. But you know, Patrick, that as there's a cost of living crisis in the country at the moment, there's a housing crisis, the health service is in rag order, there's all these different drags on, on government spending, um, and politically you can see why government would be loath perhaps to invest in the defence forces because there is a perception, I think, among many people in Ireland, you know, we're a little neutral country on the very west of Europe. Sure, who will be bothered with us? Do we need a very well defended, you know, country or army or national security strategy, especially if it means you're taking money from other things that are more pressing? So what would you say to people who have that view? So I, I would say to those people, I totally understand that, you know, but neutrality, first of all, neutrality comes with responsibility. Secondly, if you look at our history of neutrality, it has always actually been much more nuanced, yeah, that we have had to favour different different people, mainly actually the Allies in the Second World War. Look at all the different kinds of support we did with that. Yes, of course, there's other pacing priorities. The housing thing needs to be addressed, but any government that could craft any kind of strategy would have realised that back when money was cheap uh, in, in 2010. 
tenants started building houses to generate the economy. You know, these are like pretty simple uh, fixes, to be honest with you, in some regards. As per the threat, you know, in the last year, we've seen that we're, the Ireland is incapable of tracking or deterring Russian naval activity over key transatlantic fiber co- uh, cables off, off Kerry. Yeah. Um, and also there's been reports of Russian intelligence acquiring control technologies from firms in Ireland on the sanctions list. And only a couple of days ago, there was uh, there's reports in the Sunday Times of a, of a potential Russian spy arrested by the Australians who was working in the Doyle. So if you think that this isn't time for a wake up call or, and we need a big debate, really, yes, a government led leaders debate about what this should be or what we're going to do and what is an acceptable level of funding. Because if we don't, I'll tell you what, it's going to come back and bite us. Um, neutrality and our, our neutral position is something that has also been discussed, particularly given uh, that we were sending uh, some Irish troops over to help train the Ukrainian army. Um, is our neutrality something that could or should be put on the table, do you think, or something that we should discuss as, as, whether we're willing to change? I think look, if you have a leader is willing to sort of stand up and go, right, you know, situation change. Do we need to re-examine our first principles? That's healthy. It's a healthy thing to do in a democracy. I have no, like, I like, I actually like neutrality. I think it's good, you know, for Ireland. But I want to see things absolutely fully tied down in a, in a credible manner so that we can protect ourselves over the next 50 years. Because if this doesn't happen, if these changes don't come in, and all of these are just best practice stuff that European neutral nations also do, yeah, um, we're going to get caught out. Um, as per, like, what could we actually do? The Citizens' Assembly seems a pretty good um, way for introducing potential uh, ideas and looking at legislation. There's things about removing the um, the triple lock we have or adjusting so that rather than a triple lock, it's a double lock. Or maybe moving up the personnel um, that that uh, that have to be deployed from that from say thirty to hundred without the triple lock, you know, so mm-hmm. that we're we're not like you look at what happens in Kabul when we had to get people out of there, and uh, you know it was difficult for the for the army ranger wing to get in; they were a bit delayed, and then again again you're stuck with that twelve people. Um, that 12 people limit. You know, I also think, and one of the reasons we wrote this article, which is on one of the most, actually the most prominent um, security site in the US, it's called War on the Rocks. And um, we wrote it because if it's left to Irish leaders, I think at this point, um, it, you know, it may be too late. It's too little too late already, and it may be too late. So the idea is what's happened is normally Ireland at periods would like, yeah, we'd internally look at this issue and we'd uh, we'd have a scratch of our heads and decide what to do. But actually European countries now and all neutral countries like Finland and Sweden are looking at us going, hold on a minute, what, what, why aren't you spending anything on your defence and security apparatus? You know, okay, you're hiding behind the UK and, and stuff like that. But if, if this is a EU, we're all in it together, etc. Um, there's a there's a burden to be shared. So you sort of outed so, us on the international stage is what you're saying, Patrick. I haven't only outages in the international stage, but I think myself and my co-author, David Murphy, were just like, it's all right, like, you know, good reporting coming from the Irish Times, the Cork Examiner, all the Irish security people. But, you know, Leo Varadkar is going over to meet um, Joe Biden in, in a couple of weeks. And uh, hopefully it will be on the table there, you know. Okay. And, 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 and also these countries, I would say, do have some leverage. Okay, well, it's very, very interesting to speak to you and thank you very much for joining us this evening. That's Dr. Patrick Bury, who's a senior lecturer in security at the University of Bath. I'm sure you have thoughts on what he had to say. Let us know to 51551.